You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. Here's my work wife, James Hardigan. Hi, hon. Hello, darling. How are you? <laughs> I'm great because I'm finally back in L.A., and I'll be here for five whole days. It's really, <laughs> Before really Before eight-hour time difference. Yeah, I know. It's fantastic. Coming up on today's show, I can't believe we got it. We had to call in a lot of favors. We had to pull some strings. We had to get in touch with his agent. We had to put only brown M&Ms and white carnations in his dressing room. But we did it, everyone. We got Lex Veldhaus. He has become a superstar since we last worked with Lex and since we last had Lex on the podcast. So, yes, I feel blessed by his presence. Uh, we're going to talk to him about WCOOP and uh, just what it's like to have become a Twitch phenomenon. Uh, luckily, I got to, I don't know if I got to come home to L.A. because the Moneymaker event happened here or the Moneymaker event happened to happen where I am living currently. But it did go down here in L.A. I went. I will tell you all about that later on in the show. I was going to do a segment where I recap some live poker in Fargo, but then I realized I was basically uh, just having a segment to have it like a thinly veiled bad beat story. So we're just we're <laughs> those, just going to skip those over those that. Those occur in every single anecdote you have about playing live poker. And bear in mind, you're going to talk us through the Moneymaker Tour. I'm sure that's got its fair share of bad beats. If I didn't win the event, which it turns out I didn't, then there's going to be a bad beat story. Oh, spoiler alert. I was waiting yeah. for that section of the show. I wanted to find out whether you'd won a platinum pass. You would have already got my resignation letter if I had <laughs> won a platinum pass. You would have already known about it. This week's super fan is a dude named Scott Samarell. He's challenged me to trivia on the subject of Better Call Saul. And you guys already know how James and I feel about that. Uh, but... As long as we're talking about TV shows that we love, I finished yeah. The Americans. I've never watched an episode of this show, but I hear good things. It's it's an Amazon Prime show, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was on FX here in, in the States originally, but okay. you, can, you can get it on Amazon Prime now. And I think, I think that they maybe were going to do another season. And so the final episode, I'm not sure that they were sure it was going to be the final episode but it's a great finale um i do think the show kind of dragged a little in the in the later seasons five and six didn't uh, move kind of slowly for me but uh really cool premise loved the show and as i mentioned i was really glad to see the lead actor get an award this year because uh he um he was fantastic i went to two movie premieres this week james wow look at you uh, my producer friend took me to the premiere of a movie called summer oh three it's kind of like a teenage girl uh coming of age movie i'm not sure it'll ever make it over over to you guys because it's kind of like an indie you it know sounds teenage. like the kind of movie that's going to randomly appear on sky movies in their kind of new releases one week yeah maybe and it was good i had a good time it was really cool getting to go to the after party do you uh, there's this girl that you ever seen pitch perfect yes i've seen pitch perfect one and two and i'm actually quite looking forward to seeing pitch perfect three well there's a girl in pitch perfect named anna camp uh, she's like kind of, I think like the bat, the bad guy. She always plays like the really pretty, but like foil. Yeah, like, I remember. Her, yep. Um, she was at the after party, and this like, uh, she's just one of those people that walks into your room. You're like, ah, oh, there's a movie star. That right. girl's a movie star, and it was just kind of weird. I was like weird and clammy around her. But last night, I saw the world premiere of a movie called The Oath, which I hope makes it to you guys. Which is about a guy. Um, a comedian wrote and directed this movie. Uh, it's a comedy-ish, black comedy, where uh, it's Thanksgiving and the the president has uh, made it so that everyone in the country has to sign a loyalty oath. 
And it doesn't name a particular president, but it's just the president right. is referred to a bunch. And it's about the sort of fighting that ensues because he doesn't want to sign it. And his family is like, let's not talk about politics. And the, the whole thing really devolves into a huge mess. And it was awesome. And I've never identified more with a character in my entire life than this guy who can't believe everyone in his family is signing this oath. Okay, so this is a, a, a comedy, obviously. And it's a comedy, but it's almost like it's kind of almost science fiction. It's like The Purge. It's like the comedy wow. version of The Purge. Okay, um, I haven't been to any movie premieres, but I did get to go to a movie preview last night. I went to an exclusive IMAX screening of First Man. The, is that the Ryan Gosling yes. astronaut movie? It's the movie about Neil Armstrong. It's the story of the first man on the moon. And okay. so it's your kind of like standard biopic. And I kind of have mixed feelings about this film because there's quite a lot I admire about it. But its biggest problem is it constantly reminded me of a much better movie, The Right Stuff, that early 80s movie about the space race, about John Glenn, Gus Grissom, Gordo Cooper, all those guys. And this has a very similar feel, but just isn't as good. And I'm sorry, I do have a problem with Damien Chazelle as a director. You know I'm not a huge fan of La La Land, and I wasn't a huge fan of the visual style he brought to this. Buy the guy a fucking tripod. I don't have a problem with verite-style filmmaking. Paul Greengrass is an excellent example of that type of filmmaking done yeah, well. Yeah, his movies, his movies are great. This is an example of someone who's just shaking the camera around for no apparent reason. And when you present that style of filmmaking in IMAX, it makes you nauseous. And for two hours and 20 minutes, I just couldn't take it anymore. Was there anything about the IMAX that worked? Yeah, I mean, the sequence is in space, obviously. And there, you can see that Chazelle has like, let's go back to the way Kubrick did it in 2001. Actual model effects, that whole idea of uh, the vacuum of space where all you're hearing is the breathing of the astronauts' respiratory systems. Um, as I said, there are parts of it which I really admired. The pacing was a little bit off in places. It definitely feels like a movie where the first cut was probably close to four hours. And as a consequence, there are loads of characters who've clearly lost screen time, loads of small parts that have become even smaller parts. And the whole kind of um, uh, unit around Neil Armstrong, all the other astronauts, just feel like cardboard cutouts. They're not fleshed out at all. So... Yes, there are some great sequences. It tells a good story, but in a way, I wish a different filmmaker had told the story because I think I would have enjoyed someone else's uh, visual interpretation of the material. I'm, I'm such a fan of science fiction, and I find science fiction to be so exciting that science real I, it doesn't like do much for me. I came out. This is my overriding thing coming out. My God, I want to watch the right stuff again because that is a great movie. That is a great science fact film. This is kind of like a, a lower rent version of it, to be honest. Where would you rank it compared to... So I never saw the right stuff, so where would you rank it compared to Apollo 13? Bear in mind that I hated Apollo 13 somewhere between okay. the two. Uh, okay. I fell asleep in Apollo 13, which is a movie that's meant to be exciting and tense. Um, but the right stuff, Joe, if you've never seen it, you've got to watch this film. It's absolutely fantastic. I remember my parents had the book when I was a kid. I remember the book be, being, yeah, being on their nightstand. They, were, they read all the... 
like those books in the it was, books were like more of a thing in the eighties where everyone read the same books, kind of like everyone sees the same movies or watches the same TV shows now. But uh, yeah, I guess I'll skip First Man then. I do like Gosling a lot though. No, of course, Gosling's always great. He is great. Claire Foy is great. The cast are brilliant. It's a shame that there's such a really strong supporting cast. Actors like Kieran Hines, Carl Chandler, Jason Clark, whose parts have been cut down to next to nothing. They're given nothing to do, and that's a great shame. But the most maybe yeah, maybe the guy thought he was making a Netflix show and it could be ten hours long. Well Joe, the most exciting news from the world of film and TV is that we're back. Our TV shows are back. It's uh, the most exciting news to me. I mean, we all know how I feel about being on television. So a reminder that Channel 4 is going to start broadcasting the PCA main event in around three weeks' time. But right now, the PCA 2018 Super High Roller is appearing on Pokestars TV and YouTube. New episodes uploaded every Thursday. So this week is the season debut. It's Super High Roller Episode 1. And if for no other reason, you should watch this because it contains details of a special Platinum Pass giveaway, separate to what we're doing on the podcast. So uh, strongly recommend you check out those shows, even if you did watch the live stream from PCA 2018. I was thinking, Joe, that when we get to the main event, there are characters who appear in those shows like Marie Schwab, Mo the Destroyer. I reckon we should have him on as a guest. I don't. Uh, sure. Yes. I remember him. Hey, how about that guy, Brito, Fernando Brito? Glad to be Brito. That was his name. Yeah, Gladeby Brito. That guy was a character. I don't think he speaks English well enough, but man, we got some good stuff coming up in those shows. But it'd hey, be good to get some guests who are linked to the shows. When we do our TV recaps, we can talk it through with someone who actually was there and went through that experience. For sure. And I have been buttering up Josh Molina on Twitter. Uh, just, you know, just a little like of a tweet here, a retweet there for his charity thing that he's doing. Just kind of buttering him up. I haven't asked him yet. Johnson said he's interested. Uh, he said he's not sure where he's going to be. So he's trying to figure that out because he said he might be in Geneva. And I was like, well, that gives us a little more flexibility. Uh, well, let's talk some poker because, Joe, you got to play some Hold'em this weekend. Event Recap. Event Recap. I, I like this music. What is it? What, 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 what am I missing here? You may feel that this is a little bit inappropriate to illustrate a poker event played in Los Angeles, but I figured it was at the gardens, right? Yes. So I went to Audio Network and looked for a piece of music with garden in the title, and this track was called Garden Party. And I figured, well, that's kind of what happened on the Moneymaker it's Tour. They had a party at the gardens. So, you know, if the shoe almost fits the uh, look the money maker tour stops that i've been to so far have definitely resembled a party a lot more than they rep, uh, resemble a poker tournament so and also i like this it makes me feel kind of classy like i'm the great gatsby or something which so when you say classy you mean not someone who would have gone to a casino in los angeles played an 86 dollar event and be actively encouraging people to do shots while the td shouted go 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 into the microphone did you see that? I saw the tweet. Okay, so here's the deal. I was not the person to suggest that. And uh, <laughs> that that man isn't the TD. That guy's like a top executive at the gardens. <laughs> and at like 11 or whatever it was, like 12.05, he's like, 
Joe Stapleton's going to do shots with anybody who wants them. Who wants to do shots with Joe Stapleton? And I was like, oh, my, okay, so this is how it's going to be. Fine. No, I think it's great. I think this is awesome. This is exactly what, as far as I'm concerned, the Moneymaker Tour should be, in addition to being an opportunity to win a Platinum Pass. Yes, and then I sent one over to Chris, and Chris is like, I'm not drinking. I actually completely respect that when people say that. So then, of course, I had to do Chris's shot as well. <laughs> of course, because it can't go to waste. So at one point, Lee Jones comes stomping over, and he's like, I've got a message from the Isle of Man. And I was like, ah, shit, here it comes, finally. And he's like, no, Scott just wants to buy the next round of shots for you. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys, I mean, look, I know that the Moneymaker Tour is not something that most of our audience to be able to get to, but it is so much fun. Uh, and partly what's fun about it is that there really is no, you get, there's like a little bit of play for the first level or two, but after that, there's no expectation that of anyone to really win. You know, everyone knows that it's a very fast structure. And so we're all just kind of flipping coins a little bit. Um, I am going, going broke with Jack eight on my foot. All right. So Chris and I had a prop bet. Chris wanted to do a last longer with me. And I was like, no, absolutely not. You always hold over me and everything. And he wanted to make it so that, uh, and I was like, I'm, I can't, I can't bet money with you. I just don't want to do it a last longer. But then the line to re-enter is very long, right? Because it's a, it's an event where uh, they just don't have enough seats. You know, there's is like this a, a thousand... two day event show or a one day event. I thought it was a two day event. So I booked myself two nights in the hotel down there. It turns out it was only a one day event. <laughs> So, so yeah, so the line's super long and I figure I go, here's the deal, Chris, you want to do a last longer with me? Whoever busts out first has to go get in line. And then if the other person goes out before you reach the registration desk to reenter, you have got to, uh, give up your place in line and then go to the back of the line oh. and reenter again. So uh, Chris ended up going broke before me, but that fucker, what he did is he comes and he hangs out by my table and like stalls until eventually I also go broke. So he and I have to go get in line together. Right. Um, so whatever. It was cool. I got to hang out in line with him. It was actually kind of cool for the fans for us to be waiting in line together because then people got to come up and do photos and stuff with the both of us <laughs> instead of uh, just one or the other. Um so I, I ended up going broke with Jack eight. And so when I re-entered, I was like four people on it in front of me. And I was like, I have Jack eight. Like I can't possibly go broke twice with Jack eight. So I get in like this, like four way all in with Jack eight with, with no pair, no draw on the flop and it comes running Jack. So I actually like quadrupled up on this hand, um, which kept me alive for like a, an orbit. So can you justify any point getting it in with Jack eight in a multi-way pot? Yes, because you can't go broke with the same hand twice. Oh, of course. Yeah, that, that old chestnut. It's the double jeopardy rule. Um, so when I go break, broke the second time, I went to go play cash with Chris, which was a huge mistake. Uh, because first of all, he goes plays 5-5, five, five, which is like way above my bankroll. Um, and, you know, you, you guys know my history with Chris. That I've literally never beat Chris in a hand of any any kind of thing ever. And he typically either bad beats the fuck out of me or slow rolls the pants off of me. And in this particular case, um, I'm playing against Chris in a cash game hand. Uh, he, I think he three bet pre-flop. I called with 9-10 suited. And the flop came uh, king-jack-10. I have 9-10. And... Um, Chris bets like 
a, like a whole stack uh, on the flop. He just like puts a stack out there. And I think that this means Chris never has a hand. So I move all in and uh, the river's a queen. It's a cash game, right? So, so nobody exposes their hand. The river's a queen. So I have a straight and I'm like, cool. Boom. Here you go. Turns out Chris had a set of jacks, so I beat Chris. The part of the story I'm not telling you is that there was another player involved in the hand, and there were two clubs on board on the flop, and she had ace nine of clubs, and it came brick, brick, club, but the queen on the river gave her the nut straight. So not I beat Chris. I was beating her on the flop. I was losing to Chris. I end up beating Chris, but losing to her. And so I lost like $400 on this hand, which was basically my bankroll for the entire, well, forever. <laughs> oh, And then, so then Chris and I enter the second chance tournament at five o'clock, which no one tells us was a satellite for a tournament next weekend. So now Chris and I are in this tournament that like, we can't, we don't even want to win. And uh, Chris ends up getting seated next to me. So now I'm dealing with him again. And again, he's holding over, just beating me in this pot, beating me in this, beating this pot. He finally wants to test the theory as to whether or not I could ever beat him in a hand. So I move all in on a, a Jack, Jack four board with a Jack. Yep. And Chris calls me with nine, four. This is looking good, Stipes. This isn't good. It does look good. And I managed to double up through Chris. And then on the very next hand, I have King Jack. Uh, I raise Chris calls the flop comes King nine, four. Uh, Chris check raises my, uh, my, my flop bet. Uh, and I call, and the turn's a jack, so I have top two now. I move all in. Chris calls. Queen 10. Busts me no. again. Busts me again. I can't fucking beat this guy. It's so annoying. Luckily, I did not really want to win because I didn't want to win the satellite anyway. And I was just kind of there just punting off more money to hang out with people and to show everyone a good time, which I think everyone had. Uh the tournament did not end at an insane hour. Luckily, uh, it finished about eleven o'clock at night. That's not bad to, at all. Uh, Must have been yeah, super turboy then. The structure. It it really you know what's weird is that it the the levels were definitely longer than twenty minutes, but I don't remember how long they were. It was either twenty five or thirty minutes, which is like okay. Um, yeah, but it's not just about but, level length. It's about you know when sometimes blind levels get skipped or the blinds double instead of going the up blinds incrementally. Went, yeah, exactly. They went up real fast occasionally. Um, and so, uh, but it went up, heads up between these two guys, Ori and Evan, both of them huge poker fans, both of them delighted. And even though Ori was the guy who won the platinum pass, which is very exciting, the kid Evan won $10,000 nice. in an $86 tournament. And he said that he was going to use it to pay off his student loans. And that was really just going to put him in a, he was, he's like, I'm 28 years old. I still have student loans. This is going to put me in a really good place in my life. So I was happy for both those guys. Once again, everyone had a great time. The gardens did a great job. And I just love this tour. The moneymaker tour is just so much fun for everybody. People love Chris and they were so excited to play with him and take photos with him. It was great to see. So it's Ori who's going to be coming to the Bahamas in January, who bagged the 30 K PSPC package in this event. Correct. Ori from Israel, I believe he's originally from. Well, obviously the moneymaker PSPC tour is not the only opportunity uh, for PokerStars players to win a Platinum Pass. Uh, there are various other things going on right now. And Joe, very soon we're going to be talking about the Poker in the Years Free Roll League, which starts on Monday and will be streamed live on Twitch. Our 
And I'm going to say we are being optimistic here, but our objective is to get 0.5% of our next guest's audience. It will be <laughs> a big ask, but I'm confident we can do it. Please welcome back to the podcast for the second time this year. That's how popular it is. That's how much we love him. Lex Veldhaus. What's up, guys? Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. We had to have you back, buddy. You are just an absolute superstar. You're blowing up. Huh. Uh, it's been a, it's, it's been a crazy few months, uh, especially WCOOP was absolutely massive. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, big shout out to my community, of course, because they're uh, the people that are doing a lot of that work. But, yeah, it's been fantastic. Now, I don't know whether you're aware of this, Lex, but Joe created a new Twitch personality during the EPC Barcelona live stream, confusing the infamous Dr. Disrespect with someone called Mr. Disaster to the point now where, as far as I'm concerned, Dr. Disrespect is not a thing. He is Mr. <laughs> Disaster, which means we are calling you the Mr. Disaster of poker on Twitch. To us, that's how big you are now. Uh, that's great. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, like I have so much respect for Dr. Disrespect. Um, I think there's a lot of cool things happening on Twitch. And uh, I mean, you guys get a feel for that too. You know, you interact with everyone during the EPT uh, broadcast. And um, yeah, it's the memes like that are really part of Twitch. So good job. <laughs> like, sure. is, 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 be, is becoming, was becoming quote unquote famous and or popular ever something you wanted to do when you first started playing poker? Um, I, I really liked the media aspect of poker. I like the interviews. I like the insights. I like that people, you know, I, I used to really love watching strategy segments or when people did lifestyle pieces. I think it's kind of cool. I think that everybody kind of, you know, plays their part into something you love that way. Um, so I've always liked that. I guess I've always wanted to be like sponsored and stuff, but um, it was more of an engagement uh, perspective, I think. Okay, so you don't really so the fact that like you are uh, could potentially be quote unquote uh, famous from this is is neither appealing or not appealing to you. Uh, no, that that doesn't really matter. I mean, the nice thing is though, like if you can pull in people or if you can pull in people to watch you, it makes it more fun to engage and you have more people to engage with. And I really like community feel. I've always liked that from like playing video games, from browsing Team Liquid, from doing anything pretty much. So uh, on the computer, so I do like communities, and it's. I guess necessary if you want to do it yourself. So, in in terms of that, you can say that it was a goal of mine, but not to get any like satisfaction out of it. You know, Lex. When we last spoke, it was right after the Bahamas. Uh, we just done the PCA live stream, and while we were out there at Atlantis, we talked a little bit about the fact that you'd obviously had a really big 2017 on Twitch. Talk us through the last six months before we come to WCoop. Tell us how things have changed and how things have developed and th what you've been working on as both a poker player and a streamer over this year. Um, it's, it's actually been like a pretty, you have like these moments that really kind of accelerate everything. So after PCA, I started streaming a lot, um, started making really long days. I've had, you know, uh, I think like one and a half months where I, I would put in like 12 hour days, six days a week. And, you know, that really, those periods really strengthened the community. So just put in a lot of work there. Um, there's also been, uh, you know, people have been gifting each other subscriptions. People have been doing it a lot for each other within my community. Um, so there's like a very positive, chill feel, you know. So I think that the core has become stronger and stronger and bigger and bigger. And it's kind of, you know, growing exponentially at this rate. 
Um, so I've just been investing a lot of time in community building, talking to people. I've been developing different social medias, like replying to a lot of people there and, you know, just making everything stronger pretty much. And um, that was actually a perfect gearing up for Scoop. Um, and then, you know, started having over 10,000 viewers a lot of the time, uh, like averaging like seven, 8,000 viewers. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's actually, to be honest, like WCOOP kind of caught me by surprise. I've had some stress issues that I've been talking about on social media too in the summer, um, because I don't think you really can sustain a workload like that. No. And I had, I had to take it a little bit easy and I had like some, you know, like kind of, sh- I was kind of shut down by my own body and whatever. And I had to take it easy, but then I felt really good. And I came back to Twitch and it's like, everybody's just ready. And then I was road to WCOOP and, and shit just hit the fan. It was absolutely crazy. There was just, you know, we had 15, 20,000 people in there sometimes there. Um, you know, uh, you know, you guys are familiar with subscriptions and stuff, I think. And um, just insane amount of subscriptions. And it was just, I don't know. It's just like one of those things where it's just kind of like the, the perfect wave. You know what I mean? It's just like a tide that keeps rolling in. I want to talk about the subscriptions thing because I want to talk about how Twitch works as a business. This week's star code is Calfon. K-A-L-F-O-N. I want to know how the money side of it works and how reliant you are on those subscriptions. Does that become your almost your, your profession now to drive those subscriptions, to get donations from the audience and ultimately breaking even at poker is the aim because that's where the revenue is coming from? Uh, that's a really interesting question because um, I really think that um, you need to be okay with Twitch not really bringing up any revenue. You can just tell when people are trying to boost it, you know, when people are trying to boost subs or when people kind of try to bait donations and stuff. You know, you just have to build something that people will like and the rest will come or not. But um, I would still stream if I would have one-tenth of the subscribers that I have right now. Um, I broke uh, 8,000 during WCOOP. Wow. Um, yeah, that's it's kind of surreal because um, I, I was kind of like I was holding down the world record for subs in uh, in Poker Directory, and I had three thousand at the time, and we we got all the way up to eight thousand, which is just kind of like you know I'm just shaking my head while I'm talking about it. So um, it's something that I think only comes once you just keep being consistent, keep providing quality. Um, it's really nice though, you know. It definitely alleviates a lot. I mean, at this point, it's a shitload of money. Um, but even if you have like 100 subs, you know, it's supplements. But I really think that it's important that if you, let's say you make three, $400 from revenue, improve some stuff, you know, invest in better emotes, um, get some channel graphics laid out, like all that kind of stuff, develop some social media, maybe hire a YouTube editor, you know. And, but at the same time, I really do not want to see it as something like, oh, you know, I lost, uh, uh, I, I lost 8,000 playing poker, but at least I made like 6K back from Twitch. Because I really feel like if I start doing that, then my poker becomes kind of sloppy and I become lazy on that front. So I really look at it as two separate careers, which is why during some streams I can be super hyped up about what's happening on the stream, but I can still be disappointed about what happened on the poker side of things because I also want to win in poker, you know? How much of your audience uh, satisfaction do you think is based on your personality versus your winning at poker? Um, I think that, well, I've been losing all year, so I guess, <laughs> I guess that answers it, but okay. you know, I mean, no, like people, uh, I've had a really bad year, but I think that if you communicate well, and of course I get tilted, I get mad, you know, but I think that 
it's really important for me to show everything. I really want people to see like, this is how I study. This is when I don't do anything. This is when I'm mad. This is when I need to take breaks. Like, what is it like to pretty much live alongside or through a poker professional? So the bad is just part of it, you know, and people appreciate that. And as long as the stream is still there and as long as you keep showing up and, you know, not saying like, you know, screw all this, I'm, I'm not going to stream anymore because I'm kind of over it. Um, people will still appreciate it. So you definitely notice that numbers are higher when you're winning uh, because there's obviously a lot of like floating viewers who want to see like deep runs and people playing for big money. But yeah. I think in the end, if you just have fun and you're there and you interact with people all the, all the same, then people will show up. With, Lex, with reference to the downswing, and I might be remembering this incorrectly, but I think having published a schedule in advance of when you were going to be streaming, I think one week you may even have ditched some of your streams to say, I need to work on my game, I need to study, because this isn't right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really felt like, all right, you know, uh, I, I have been losing for a few months, or I had some like a break-even month, and, you know, like a little bit down another month, so it wasn't all too tragic, but... I really feel like, all right, so this has been going on for a few months. There have been a few spots where I feel like I'm autopiloting or getting sloppy. Um, I, I really need now to push the stream back a little bit and to focus on some poker studying. And I, I rarely ever do that. If I, if I can ever choose to how I spend my time, I will almost always choose the stream. Um, but, you know, this will benefit, benefit the stream too. And I, I really wanted to take a step back, go over some things I wasn't sure about and kind of like polish the edges, you know? Yeah, and you talked about the fact that you're living all this on the stream. You're being very honest. Again, just to go back to referencing Dr. Disrespect, here's a guy who is a character. Here is a guy who has a persona. But when you're on, it's real. You don't put on a show. And we see genuine, promote, uh, genuine emotion, and we live the highs with you, but we also live the lows. Yeah, yeah, I think that's important. Like, in the end, it, it gets really close. I do think that you get uh, tired in a different way, like, you know, camera tired, that it's kind of draining. Um, because there, people can really get all the way up close, you know. So, uh, but at the same time, I never have to act. I never have to do anything. People know, you know, I'm not doing a character. I'm not doing a voice. I'm not portraying to be the happiest man alive or the worst, you know, the the grumpiest man alive. It just is what it is. So in that way, that kind of makes it relaxing. Like you know, I just say what I say, and people will show up or they won't. And I kind of like that. So I, that that's been a very like clear choice. I've always liked the streamers who do that as well. I mean, Dr. Disrespect is a clear um, a clear exception there, but I've always liked people who've kind of done similar style streaming. And I really feel like in the end, you're your own audience as well, you know? A lot of the time that people, the, ch the channels that they really enjoy watching themselves or like a content creator somewhere, which is kind of like what they feel comfortable with doing as well. Outside of poker, which streams do you admire? Which streamers do you look up to? Uh, I think that Dr. Disrespect is one of the the smartest people I've ever seen in content creation. Um, like, you know, he, he portrays to be some kind of super soldier. He's dressed up in war gear. He's he's so smart. He's so good about what he does. Everything kind of fits. So I respect him a lot. I really like Admiral Bulldog for Dota. I think Ninja's work ethic is absolutely insane. Um, they say the average shelf life of a streamer is like two, two and a half, maybe three years, and he's been doing it for seven. Huh. Um, and of course, you know, everybody's like, yeah, it's easy because he makes like a million a month now. Yes, but it's blood, sweat, and tears for seven years and being the best at a game as well. Like, you know, it's there's so much that goes into that. And um, yeah, I really respect him for that because his life cannot be very relaxing at the moment with everything that he's doing. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I watch a lot of different stuff. I mean, I watch people... I watch people speed run old Nintendo games, you know, with like 15 viewers. 
I don't know. <laughs> how do you have t- how do you have time to to watch stuff and also uh, create as much as you do? Um, I uh, I like when I do warm up or when I do emails. Like right now, there's legitimately a stream on. I'm not not watching it right now, but uh, there's a Dota stream on my other screen playing because right before this call, I was just doing emails, and then the Dota stream will be on. And um, I also feel like it's really good because at the same time i love it but i get to, i get to actually spend a lot of time on it because it's also you know i get inspiration from other streamers if they do something really cool and i feel like oh wow you know that that's i love that they did that that way or um i, I want to know what's up as well like i watched a lot of smaller poker streamers or a lot of you know other directories i just want to see what's out there so I, I feel like i have to is your girlfriend ever like get the fuck off your computer Oh yeah, yeah. She's uh, like, especially she's she had been like telling me, especially when I was getting like uh, overworked and stressed. She had already been telling me, and she kind of like pulled the full stop. But um, yeah, she she will just like walk up to the study and say, "All right, it's enough now." You know, even even if it doesn't necessarily have to go long, but if I had some really long days and I'm like, "Oh, I really want to," you know, re- kind of reconfigure this thing that we're doing or work on these graphics. With, with a designer and she's like no just not gonna happen so she she really uh yeah not, not from like uh why are you spending so much time on your computer kind of thing but really because she knows that i tunnel vision really hard yeah and when 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 you're trying to build this audience were, was it ever something you had to convince your loved ones of to say that hey like this could be a thing and now that it has uh now that it is a thing are people more convinced yeah, it's it's funny because I already had those talks a lot when I was uh, pursuing poker, of course. But yeah, right. Um, yeah, it's like okay. So Mirta, my girlfriend, has not spent uh, like ten minutes on a computer if it wasn't for school in her whole life. So to actually stream with a camera, like eat on camera, everything, right? Like talk to yeah. people for her at the start, I was like, whoa. Uh, you know, like she was worried that it could get too close to us or that there was no privacy left or, you know, that sort of thing. But like she sees what it does. And especially now that we've been traveling for a year, um, she she was there a lot in the house. So she hears all the messages that I get and uh, the donation messages that are read out loud or things that people say to each other. She absolutely loves it. She got she got a stream related tattoo for it. because what? she Yeah, she. She has a, there's this thing, if you type uh, the less than sign and then a three on your computer, you get a heart, right. like sideways. <laughs> so a lot of times people will always send me messages and it will say uh, less than three in them a lot because the, the robotic voice reads it out like a less than three. So she actually got that symbol tattooed on her wow. finger because she wanted something to commemorate like the trip and also just like how nice this is and what a nice feeling we always get from it. So That's so funny. I have the words less than three tattooed on my arm are you serious like the letters no i'm not <laughs> serious but i might now i think this may be the only time in history when lex veldhouse has ever taken joe stapleton seriously yeah i'm mistake. so sorry I've, I've wasted it on that <laughs> lex you just mentioned donations you talked about subscriptions and i get that because with subscriptions you're number one you're showing your appreciation for a streamer you're backing them you're providing financial support i know amazon is taking a small percentage but a, a decent slice um, more than half is going to the streamer donations are just like amazing to me that people are just willingly handing over money and some of those donations can be sizable yeah, um, it can get pretty crazy, but it's 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 like kind of like a thing. People want to have a message out there. I get trolled most of the time. Um, people will, 
you know, they had some, like, this became a huge meme in my channel, too, because somebody would say, like, oh, Lex, I like you, blah, 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 and then in the end, so I just want to say, fuck you, you know, so they <laughs> they do all these really cool things with donations, or I change the voices, now I have a guy with a Scottish accent, so there's this guy, you know, Kiwi Sean keeps donating stuff, like, like just like a $3 donor, he says, like, uh, throw the shrimp on the barbie, and, like, and the, the Australian voice will read it out, right, so, um, but... It is, a, it is a thing of support, and there's actually a lot of people who just play poker, grind poker, watch the stream, and they can learn everything for free, right? They see I guess. how, yeah, if, if I play a 2K against all the crushers, and they see, wow, so these guys actually show up with hands like that. or So there's a lot of that, and, you know, I invest a lot back in the stream, which people know, but it's just generally support. I don't know, it's just, there's not a real reason. It's, it's really crazy. I mean, I, I played the 25K WCOOP. I busted. I was only going to play one bullet. Uh, as like a, a goal because we got to 6,000 subs during WCOOP and we we set kind of goals for that and then I was like all right I'll play the 25k so I played it and I busted and you know it's kind of like nothing really happened it was kind of card that lost the flip and then I just thought this doesn't feel right like it was so hyped during WCOOP let's just re-enter so I re-enter a tournament for uh, $25,000 and it's one of the like biggest donation spurts that I've had in my streaming career so it's just like if people get hyped up if they get excited it's just like you know what fuck it like we just appreciate what you're doing we love it let's go and that's like you know all the good streamers they will not ask for donos it's just like a way that people control there's a robot voice reading them out they just could they can just support you know and there's like there's there's people who support a lot it's it's incredible like i'm it's it's crazy like it's, it feels really special you know I want to talk about the, the WCOOP main event. I find it really hard to believe that it was only a week ago because WCOOP to me feels more like a month ago. Um, yeah. The night before you played the 25K, you made it to the second day of the main event. You got into the top 100. I think at one point you hit 33,000 concurrents. Talk us through what that stream was like and what it was like going deep in that main event. It was really crazy. Like, I was... It was such a it, it was such an epic day. Of course, you have uh, you know. At first, I got kind of deep in a two k where I finished in the money, which already draws a lot of people in, and it's WCOOP final Sunday. You know, so people know that it's at it's Sunday. It's like the most viewer numbers on uh, on the poker director on Sundays. You announce it everywhere. It's a WCOOP main event, so I've already had like ten to fifteen thousand viewers all stream, which is already really high. Um, for me so um and then i started getting a stack in the main event and then you get towards the bubble in the main event and then you know all of a sudden all these people are in there and you get to say tomorrow we play for one and a half million tomorrow 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 you put stuff on social media you put countdowns down you know like so everybody knows when to show up and Everybody knew that it would be a fast-paced action because of the grueling bubble. Everybody was so short. There would be a money bubble within 30 minutes of $4,000 or money jump, I'm sorry. So people knew when to show up. So I think that I did a 15-minute countdown. Before the countdown was over, I had 7,000 viewers. That's insane. Yeah, it's insane. Oh, shit. And then you win it all in. And then people start telling other people. And, you know, uh, my uh, uh, girlfriend's parents are watching. They're watching in my regular bar of listening. Like all those things, right? So people kind of tell each other. So you get all these people that sometimes tune in because they like the stream. And now everybody wants to kind of be there. And then what happens when I got up to like 20, 25,000 plus, I started getting into the top four of Twitch globally. Uh, in terms of viewership so you know I, it was like i getting chills talking about it because like 
uh, you know, just uh, somebody sent me a screenshot and I was above like Dr. Disrespect, Lyric, Summit, like all these old school seven-year-old streamers who are absolutely smashing Twitch. <coughs> and then people, when they browse Twitch, they see, oh, hey, what's this? Oh, cool. I'm playing for one and a half million. Oh, shit. Oh, poker. I didn't know that. So then you get a lot of the people who are browsing Twitch, you know, and that's when it becomes cool because then also it's really nice for the poker directory, right? Because yeah. we want to grow and we want to get up there. And I really think that poker deserves that. And poker offers like a lot of unique things on Twitch. So, and then it just starts growing. And then we, I, like we cracked 34,000 and uh, yeah, it's yeah unbelievable. Yeah. There's one last thing I want to talk to you about, Lex. Uh, we've been asking our podcast listeners who they want to hear from, who they want Joe and I to have on as guests. And Simon Baker, not the mentalist, suggested... Ali Shaban, can we please talk about Ali? For anyone who is not familiar with this character, tell us about him. Uh, Ali Shaban is awesome. He is friendly. He absolutely loves poker. He's just like the nicest. He's just the nicest dude. You just kind of want to cuddle him. And uh, he was in Big Brother Canada in the past. Uh, he's good friends with Kevin Martin. And Kevin told him, like, hey, I really think you should give a streaming a crack. Now, a lot of times people that are coming up, you know, like they, they, they have a lot of passion for it. And but then, you know, if they don't get above 10 viewers, they just kind of think, oh, you know, it's going to give this up after two weeks. But that's that's the biggest mistake. Right. Like you need to just be there always. Well, already took that a little bit literally. And he ended up doing 125 days of streaming every day he would put in a session. Like I've that that's so surreal. Like there's there have been gamers who've done that, but to do it with like stress of poker, with a you know, like poker's very tough mentally, you know, it's it's much harder than playing playing games because there's a money factor, like you have to put in money to get money out. Yeah. And to stream that is is incredibly tiring. And he did 125 days in a row. Um it's really cool. Uh, like, uh, you know, a lot of people started hosting him, which means just sending on your viewers to somebody. And he's always very genuine how he replies to that. I remember one time I hosted him in November and he broke down. Like, he, his brain shut down. He had, like, tears <laughs> in his eyes. He's like, I can't believe it. And my crowd loved it, you know. So people really started uh, uh, watching him, liking it. And Didn't he want um, to stream for 48 consecutive hours? Yeah, he completely lost his mind. Yeah, he started singing, like, the weirdest songs and stuff. It's... Yeah, it's probably not advisable, but I don't know. Like, Arlie is definitely going to be a force on uh, on Twitch, and I think that we're going to see a lot of him in poker. And I, I think that Arlie really symbolizes a really cool thing that's happening, and I really think that a lot of people who play a lot of live are not seeing what's happening. Like, Twitch, it's growing. There's more and more streamers coming. There's, like, people from kind of all walks of life streaming now. Uh, there's more people interested. There's really good players streaming now. It's... It's really crazy, and Arlie is just one of those guys who just kind of embodies the fun factor, and who is just there to have fun and enjoy the rides, and who just shows like poker is so awesome, and the poker world is so awesome, and I really think we need more of that, and um, it's really cool that you know people like him get empowered. And what was the challenge well, you had to do against him? Uh, I had a, so there's the twelve labors of Arlie now, so um, he has to fight <laughs> different different uh, people from Team Pro or any other uh, person but he gets um these tasks from pokestars it's kind of like uh, the, the 12 labors of hercules and the first one for hercules was he had to skin the lion the golden lion so arlie had to beat me in a heads up to be able to skin the dutch lion um and uh, <laughs> this is such an awkward analogy with greek mythology i'm loving it yeah it's so good like it's exactly what it should be you know so 
Um, we played, uh, you know, eventually he beat me. All right, he beat me on the second one, whatever. So uh, <laughs> he, um, he got to skin the, the Dutch Lion. And, you know, now he had uh, the 12 headed snake or dragon, I believe. And he played Nana Noko. And it's, it's awesome. I don't know. It's, it's really fun. Yeah. Well, we got to get this guy on now before he becomes like an actual superstar. So it doesn't look like we're just trying to get him once he becomes a superstar. We got to lay the groundwork early. Yeah, well, I guarantee you that he's going to be a massive fan of you guys, so that shouldn't be a problem. Lex, you've been very patient with my games before. The guests have been doing very badly recently with my games, so I thought I would dumb it down this week, you know, oh just to uh, just you know, just to give you a bit of a break. You work very hard. Are you ready? It's very easy this week. I remember how bad I was at the last one. Lex, and... I have every confidence you were going to crush this one. Oh, this is even worse. All right, let's go. Okay, ready? It's called uh, it's called Welcome to the Veld House, and uh, you'll you'll pick it up pretty quickly. Ready? What Netflix TV show recently killed off Kevin Spacey? Blank of Cards. House. Yes, correct. Uh, this this of Commons and this of Lords are located at the Palace of Westminster. House. Yes. <laughs> two for two. Hugh Laurie played a doctor on what television show? House. Yes. <laughs> Three for three. Back in the 90s, rappers Kid and Play hosted this kind of party. House. Yes! <laughs> oh my god, I'm on a roll. Question number five. The cheapest type of wine in a bar or restaurant is typically called what kind of wine? House. Yes! Okay, here we go. Oh my god, Lex, it in. Just two, Lex just you might two run the board left. here. You might run the board. Oh my god. Cadet Thomas Conklin went by what nickname in the fourth and fifth Police Academy movies? House? Yes! Oh, I'm going to get at one point. No, you no, no. You really... get that one. You're six Woo. of six. I'm confident you go seven of seven. Last question. In poker, when you have three of a kind combined with a pair, it's typically known as a full... House. No, we're looking for full boat there. Oh, so close, Lex, man. Come on. So close. Six out of seven. Not bad. Lex, Feld boat. Well done. <laughs> All right, that was good. Thank you very much, Lex. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, thank you guys so much for having me. Poker in the ears. All right, well, while we're talking about streaming, what do we got? What do we got here for our streaming Platinum Pass series? Let's go. Let's, okay. let's, let's give people the skinny. So the Poker in the Ears Free Roll League starts on Monday night. That's the 1st of October. Now, all the details of this particular promotion were revealed last week. If you missed it, I recommend that you download and listen to episode 128 of the podcast. Uh, the reaction to last week's show, by the way, Joe, was universally positive. Jack says, looking forward to the PSPC free roll challenges for Poker in the Ears listeners. Already getting my studying in on the sunbed on holiday in Turkey. See you on the felt. Uh, Mitchell says, awesome podcast this week again, gentlemen. Well done to you both for pulling off the Platinum Pass prizes for us podcast fans. What an incredible chance for the listeners to play for. Well done with not one, but two rounds of applause. <laughs> and of course, we've tried to do something for the fans in the USA. Uh, MB says it's bad enough the weekly free roll excludes US listeners, but hearing the Platinum Pass so tilting because we love you in America too. But kept listening and heard the bit about the parallel play money tourney. You read my mind. Unfortunately, no Platinum Pass attached to the play along escapes version, but still a chance to join us on Twitch on Monday and have some fun. So Monday's free roll 
is a progressive KO with $500 in the prize pool plus additional $50 bounties on J. Hartigan, Joe Stapes, and Spraggy. He is going to be our guest from Team Pro Online on Monday. Cool. Now, assuming you were listening carefully, you've now got the star code for the Wait, first Wait, when was it? In this podcast. What? And the password will be revealed on our Twitch stream on Monday night. We'll be going live on twitch.tv slash pokerstars at 2.30 Eastern, 7.30 p.m. UK time, 8.30 p.m. Central European time, and Spraggy's going to join us as a guest. The first game we're going to be playing on Monday is the $1 warm-up, which starts five minutes before we go on air. Registration's already open, so if you want to be playing with me and Joe when we go live on Twitch on Monday night, register for the $1 warm-up. It is in the Poker in the Ears Home Game Club. You can join now. I will admit you as a member. The club ID is 2153820, and the invitation code is hello, my babies. Is there a bounty on us on the $1 warm-up, or do I actually have a shot at winning it? You have a shot at winning it. And <laughs> okay, you can keep cool. any money that you make in that event. And, of course, we love giving away money. We love giving away PokerStars prizes here on the podcast. So let's do that right now. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus... States. Time to give one of our podcast listeners, one of our fans, the chance to win some prizes. Uh, we welcome from the United States of America, Mr. Scott Samuel. Greetings, Scott. Hey, guys. How you doing? Scotty too hottie. What's the deal? What's your deal, bro? Not much. Um, I've been playing poker for years. I actually just saw you, Joe, uh, down at the Hard Rock in Hollywood. Uh, I was oh. the only one in the audience. Yes, I was like, you came up to me and you were, and I told you to apply to be a super fan. Yeah. And I was performing at one point just for you. Basically, there was one girl in the audience and Joe didn't know that she was watching Netflix on her phone. <laughs> so she, she would randomly laugh and Joe would think that she was laughing at him. <laughs> This is a classic Joe Stapleton story for sure. Uh, Scott, I'm I don't glad. Think, look, I don't think it's like completely egomaniacal of me to assume that the person in the audience was laughing at the thing I was saying and not fucking watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just too good. Uh, Scott, I'm glad that A, you got a private performance from Joe Stapleton, which has got to be worth <laughs> pennies. And also <laughs> that you were encouraged to apply to come on this show. Um, being an American, are you in the state of New Jersey by any chance? I'm not. I'm in New York, actually, just next door. But do you ever go into the state of New Jersey to play the game of online poker? Um, I'm actually going this weekend to play for the moneymaker on the uh, New Jersey PokerStars. Oh, Fantastic. No so the most important yeah. question has been answered. You do have a PokerStars NJ account, which means you can play for a real money prize, as well as some PokerStars swag, which is all good in the hood uh when you're not traveling to play the moneymaker tour online event what do you do with your time what do you do for a living um i do it support in a high schools uh district a school district out in long island i'm gonna say and i think we've had about 120 super fans on this show and we've had people from a wide variety of backgrounds but i reckon the category IT support people is probably the highest single percentage yeah, for sure. of super fans. 
not surprising. It's easy to get into. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, yeah, there's a massive crossover with basically being an IT nerd and listening to you clowns. Yeah, I mean, that could be it, too. We're, we're all pretty much nerds. So. <laughs> it's the Venn diagram of IT, nerdery, and uh, and poker podcasts. Um, so, Scott, you are a fan of the TV show Better Call Saul. Yes, I am very much. I'm like glad. Like you, I think it's better than Breaking Bad. For sure. Actually, Joe, you sent me a link to uh, to something about that. Was it Guillermo del Toro was, was, was saying that he thinks it's better than Breaking Bad? Yeah, he was saying that he thinks it's better than Breaking Bad, and at the very least, it is the best show on TV, much the same way Breaking Bad was the best show on TV at the time. Uh, I just think the show's phenomenal. I actually asked my uh, my girlfriend uh, if she watches the show because I wanted something for us to watch together, and there's new episodes out, and I was hoping to start season four with her. So I go, what's the last thing you saw? And I... Uh, are we going to, I don't want to spoil it, but she basically says the thing that happens in the last episode of season three, but I didn't remember oh, that it happened. No. And then she, I was like, Oh no, I guess I haven't seen that one. And she felt so bad that she spoiled it for me. And then we went and checked and I was like, Oh no, I guess I did see that. <laughs> so, so I should really get crushed in this quiz. I'm thinking. Yeah. I think your memory's not as good as it once was, which I think we knew already. Um, I don't think there are any spoilers in here. The questions relate to stuff that happened in seasons one through three. Uh, most of them are relevant to all three seasons, to be honest. It's a bit of a general knowledge quiz. Um, Scott, you know the format. You know how it works. Uh, pick a question, please, between one and ten. Um, I will pick uh, It's Always Coming six. Oh, ah. oh. Okay, so for two points... Which university is Jimmy's law degree from? Um, Remember, you can take the multiple choice options if you want the score to reduce to one point. All right, I think I know it. Um, I'm going to go for it. Uh, University of American Samoa? Correct, for two points. Joe, you can have any question other than number six. Oh my god, that's probably the only one I would have known without having to take choices. God damn it. Uh, let's do question three. Question three. What is Chuck's condition? What is Chuck's condition? Like, are we looking for a me like the medical term for yes. it? I'll take the choices. Lactose intolerance, anxiety disorder, agoraphobia, or electromagnetic hypersensitivity? Electric magnetic hypersensitivity. Correct for one point. Uh, which question would you like next, Scott? Uh, let's go with two. Question number two. What is the name of Howard and Chuck's law firm? Uh, Hamlin, Hamlin, McGill. Correct for two points. And there is a bonus question attached. What was Jimmy's job at the firm? Uh, he worked in the mailroom. Correct. For a bonus point, you have a 5-1 lead. Joe, your second question. Can I please have one of those questions? God damn it. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Uh, just g give me question one. Question one. In the black and white present-day sequences, Jimmy is working as a Cinnabon manager in which city and state? Uh, he's in, it's in Omaha, Nebraska. Correct, for two points. And there is a bonus question attached. Ooh, okay, I got a two-pointer. That's, I'm happy now. What is his current alias? Oh, man, that's a great question. Uh. Only need the first name. 
I guess I can take a stab because it's not a. Uh... It can't be stolen. Uh. uh... <laughs> Reggie. It's not Reggie. Did you happen to know <laughs> it, Scott? Even though you I... can't steal. Yeah, I do know it. it's Gene. It is Gene. Gene, right. You don't get the point right now. You don't need the point. You still have a 5-3 lead going into the third round. Questions 4, 5, 7, 8, 9, and 10 are all available. Uh, all right, now I think it's always coming 7. Okay, number 7. What is the name of the nursing home company Jimmy brings a class action lawsuit against? Uh, Sandpiper Crossing. Correct, for two points. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Joe, what question would you like? Uh, is eight available still? Eight is available. Okay. Mike came to Albuquerque from which city? I gotta, I gotta go for it here. New York. Incorrect. And you can steal because the options haven't gone, Scott. Um, I can get options too. And you can take the options for one point. Yes. Um, you know what? I'm gonna guess that. I think it's Chicago. Incorrect. The answer was actually Philadelphia. Now, Joe, it was your question, so you get first choice on the bonus question. What is the name of Mike's granddaughter? Oh, Kylie, Kaylee. Yes, yeah. Kaylee for a point. So, well, I was just, I was sounding it out, but all right. Thanks. Yeah. I'm going to give it to you. Uh, Scott, you can have four, five, nine, or ten. Ten. Huel is originally hired by Jimmy for what particular task? Uh, he's hired to plant the battery on Chuck. Correct, for two points. Joe, four, five, or nine? Nine, please. The Albuquerque criminal underworld is connected by a man called Caldera. What is his profession? Albuquerque criminal underworld is connected by a man named Caldera. What is Caldera's profession? I don't know. Okay, have the choices, please. Is he a dentist, a truck driver, a vet, or a chef? He is a dentist. He is not. He is a vet. Ah. Uh, final round. Four or five, Scott? Uh, we'll go with four. What is the name of the couple Jimmy tries to represent in season one? Uh, that'd be Craig and Betsy Kettleman. It is the Kettlemans. <laughs> and there is a bonus question attached. You got two points for that. Let's see if you can get an extra point. How much money did Craig Kettleman embezzle? Uh, 1.6 million. He knows his shit. Uh, Joe, the final <laughs> question. I think you're going to get this one without the options. What is the name of the bank that hires Kim to be their external counsel? Uh, I don't know without the choices. Is it the Arroyo Credit Union, Madrigal, Mesa Verde, or Schweikart and Cloakley? Mesa Verde. Correct for one point. The final score, five points to Joe Stapleton, 12 points to Superfan Scott. I'm going to give you the tiebreaker question, Scott, because I think you're going to nail this one as well. What are the names of Gus Fring's two main henchmen? Um, his two main henchmen. Uh, I think one is Tyrus Kitt. Oh my god, he knows the last name as well. I only and, had the uh, guy's first name. And the other guy is the guy he slit his throat with the box cutter, Victor. Yeah, oh my god, see? 
You do know this show really, really well. You absolutely deserve the prizes. Uh, so we'll get you some kind of satellite ticket for something that's running on PokerStars NJ and also send you some PokerStars merch as well. Scott, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on the show and congrats for crushing this game. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know what, Scott? Scott's love of the show also just reminded me how great the show is, like hearing him answer those questions. I'm just like, yeah, no, that show's fucking great. Yeah, it's really a great show. It's one of my favorites. Thank you very much, Scott. We'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, thanks. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Next time, I will be back in London. The first free roll league broadcast will be in the books. I might have some stories from playing live poker because there is a Poker Stars event tonight at the Vic where we're going to be playing with some other people from the London office. So if anything exciting happens, if I have a bad beat or keep getting beaten by Chris Moneymaker, I'll tell those stories on next week's show. Um, as far as guests coming up, so I haven't exactly, Johnson said he's interested. I haven't exactly heard like what date he could do. So should we try to get Arlie Shabadabadabadan on uh, for next week? I know he's up for it. I know he's a fan of the show. So absolutely. What's the deal with Bonomo? Because those super high roller shows feature Justin. So if he's up for it, we could get him I'll on in the next couple of weeks. I'll follow up with him. I saw, he read my message, but didn't reply. So uh, hmm. I don't know if that, if, if what that means but i'll i'll follow up and be like what's up dude <laughs> maybe because because he he got involved in a twitter conversation with me about the wire so i know he's not like ignoring me so maybe he just needs to be uh prodded and see what's up with that let me let me holler at him again too okay but in the meantime i can certainly see if we can get ali on the show and i believe that next week's super fan subject is the big lebowski if you want to revisit that 90s movie you know what? It, I I think the movie's fine. I don't I don't think it's I don't love it the way other people I'm, do. I'm with you. I actually think the Coen Brothers are pretty hit and miss, and that to me is kind of one of their like. Yeah. You know what it is? Is it's watchable and it's the easiest one to digest because some of them you're just like like No Country for Old Men, for example, right? Is like not an easy movie to to watch no. or to like even understand what the fuck is happening. And I think Lebowski is like is like they're like mainstream. You know what I mean? It's like as mainstream as they get. So I understand why people like it. Not my favorite. Probably won't rewatch it. I would much rather. Don't they have a movie on Netflix now? The Coen brothers. Yeah. I think they just released like a comedy Western on Netflix. Huh. Uh, so yeah. So I'm going to, I'd rather watch that and then just try to guess at the big Lebowski. But well, I that should warn all... you yeah. that the, quiz for big lebowski has been outsourced to patrick who is watching the movie right now so it's going to be fresh in how his many mind. ounces of milk were poured in lebowski's big white russian yeah so i would i would advise doing a little bit of research maybe possibly i don't know i'm not i can't i don't think i can watch that movie again honestly we'll, we'll see maybe i'll read a, the oral history of the big lebowski and learn something from there uh guys subscribe and like the show i know lex veldhaus doesn't beg for your likes but we do smash the like button that's what i've heard people say on youtube and we also are going to beg you to join us on twitch on monday night even if you're not playing in the free roll league we would love to have your company in the chat absolutely come hang out with us should be a good time tweet about us use the hashtag poker in the ears that is all the time we've got for this week's show for james hardigan i am joe stapleton smell you later